The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Several years ago, I read an interesting story about a man by the name of Brian Rooney, who was a high school science teacher in California. The reason the story was so interesting is that he apparently spread joy and peace and that kind of stuff all over the United States. But what he did primarily was to spend thousands of his own money and spent countless hours erecting memorials for those who were killed in the service, those who died protecting our country or protecting our freedom. He cataloged, according to this story, over 8,600 memorials in all 50 states in the United States, remembering the men and women who had died in the service. It all started in Vietnam. One of his fellow soldiers was shot, and Rooney went to rescue him if he could. And when he was holding this man in his arms, he was trying to find his dog tag so he would know who he was. While he was holding him, the man, young man, barely whispered two words. And the words were, remember me. Remember me. He couldn't get that out of his mind. So he spent many, many hours, many dollars, and traveled all over the United States, fulfilling the promise that he made to that dying soldier who simply said, Remember me. Our minds are unique. Do you know we can remember things that happened to us? Memories are good. Or can be. If something traumatic has happened, whether it's good or not so good, we have it cataloged somewhere in our minds and things can trigger memories. If it's a happy experience that you remember, then you can almost sense somebody being with you that may not be living any longer. You can smile. You can, you can rejoice in the joy of that memory. But if the memory is not so good, if it's related to abuse or tragedy or painful things, then the memory brings back a lot of other kinds of things. And things can be so simple that triggers that memory. It could be just the change of the seasons when somebody that you know and loved, loved the fall or the spring. It could be a smell, an odor. I remember mom or grandma and I could smell cinnamon rolls when I walk into the house or chocolate chip cookies. Something as simple as 
a song or a word spoken can bring back memories. And if those memories are difficult or good, often our emotions are connected to the memory. If it's a bad memory of traumatic experience that happened to you and you see something or hear something or something triggers that memory, then you can almost sense the fear that you had at that moment or the, or the pain that that was involved in. And, or you see a darkness or those kinds of things. Memories are, are both good and not so good. But did you know that Jesus told us to remember something? Something as simple as unleavened bread and a cup of grape juice are the simple reminders of things that Jesus did not want us ever to forget. The Apostle Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians, the church at Corinth, in chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. But I want to read it because I want you to hear again what the Bible says we are to do in services like this. 1 Corinthians 11, I begin reading in verse 23, just a few verses. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What did Jesus want us to remember? What is Paul reminding the church and us that we are to remember when we celebrate the Lord's Supper? As I mentioned earlier, it was at the Seder, the Passover uh, night, that Jesus and the disciples shared together that he took that bread and that cup, and he said, this represents... It does not transform into the literal body of Christ. That's not flesh. It's a cracker. It's not literally the blood of Jesus. It symbolizes that. But he says that so that we can remember what Jesus wants us to remember. As I look at that passage of Scripture, I see two or three things that I think jump out at me. First of all, what Jesus has done for us, and then what He has done in us, and what He wants to do through us. Does that make sense? What has Jesus done for us? Well, when you hold up a broken piece of bread, this is matzah bread, and it symbolizes the broken body of Christ on the cross, and hold in your hand the cup of grape juice that symbolizes the blood, what do we remember? Well, we remember that He suffered for us. You get a good picture of that 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus said in the 26th chapter of Matthew that my soul is exceedingly disturbed. And in that experience, he prayed. The braves teach our Sunday school youth. They do a lot of things that most of us are not aware of. They send scripture verses to their students two or three times a week in prayers that they write. A few weeks ago, come on up here, Jimmy and Stacy, were meditating on the Garden of Gethsemane and the suffering that Jesus did and meditated on it for several days and she wrote something that I thought we all need to hear. And you can explain whatever you want to in the process. Uh, it's something I'd been thinking and meditating and praying on for a long time and it took me a few weeks to get it into words and so when I sent this out two weeks ago to my class I just felt led to send it to Karen and when I did she texted back and just with all praise and glory and then her and brother Bo called and said would I stand up and read it so we all been praying for me to have the strength (laughs) to stand up and read it because I get so anxious I know you can't tell that I do but I do In the name of this is two cups. Now I may start crying. And I told him, I said, I'll be a puddle because it means so much to me. Because it's so true. In the name of his two cups. And it's taken from Matthew 26. And this is Jesus' cup. He went a little farther and he fell on his face. And he prayed saying, oh my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And again, a second time, he went away and he prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if this cup cannot pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. But then he had a cup for us, too. And this is taken from Psalm 23. That prepares the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Oh, my cup runneth over. For the last few weeks, I've been pondering the cup that made the sinless Son of God sweat drops of blood at the thought of drinking it. What was in that cup that he prayed, if possible, let me not consume it. It was filled with all the sins that man will ever commit, the vilest of our iniquities. It was filled with the lust that make a man murder and rape, the lust of the flesh to molest innocent children, The self-centeredness that causes us to kill our own children because they will impede our life. All the perversions, every lie that's ever spoken, the greed, the corruption, our pride that says we know better than God, the blasphemy and mocking of God's word, all the cruelty and words and deeds we shower on others, total darkness, no light, the judgment of God and the wrath of God. He that knew no sin became sin for us. He drank that cup, and he took our judgment and death. And on the third day, he arose and he defeated death and purchased our redemption. Because he loved you, Don Burkett, he drank your cup. Because he loved you, Debbie, he drank your cup. 
Because he loved you, Miss Richie, he drank your cup. Because he loved you, he drank your cup. I'm glad. And in its place, he offers us a cup running over with blessings. Eternal life, righteousness with God, a pure heart, peace in the depth of our soul, his presence and power to persevere, hope in a hopeless world, forgiveness, freedom from the guilt and bondage of sin, unending mercy and grace, and the knowledge that we will never face the wrath of God, and the knowledge that we'll never face the judgment of God. And he holds this cup of his blessings out to each of us in his nail-scarred hand. And all we have to do is reach out and receive it. Amen. What do we remember? Jesus suffered for us. But Jesus also died for us. Can you imagine someone taking the place of another? One who was guilty. One who had every reason to be executed. And someone who was innocent. Standing in his place and taking the punishment. That's what Jesus did. He who knew no sin became sin for us and became the sacrifice that satisfied the wrath of God and the righteousness of God so that you and I can be forgiven. What has Jesus done for us? He made it possible for us to have everlasting life. Now, what has Jesus done in us? When I hold that bread and that cup in my hand and I'm pondering what has Jesus done for me he has saved me can you imagine what that word encompasses to be saved is to be set free to be saved is to be forgiven To be forgiven of sin, to be forgiven of sins, yet not committed, and yet He has already paid the price. Forgiveness is a marvelous thing. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were walking according to the course of this world under the submission of the devil. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, has provided for us. Salvation and freedom. So He has saved us. His grace sufficient for us. He has seated us, Paul says, at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ Jesus. What an awesome blessing salvation is. None of us can deserve that. None of us can earn it. In fact, the Scripture says... All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the payment for sin is death. But God is rich in mercy and He has given us opportunity to trust Him as Savior. So the question is, if He has done this for us, have you taken and received the gift of grace? If not, 
Why not? Why not say yes to the one who loved you enough to suffer and die for you and loved you enough to come into your heart if you'll just invite him? Not only does he save us, he sanctifies us. That a big old word, sanctify, what does it mean? Literally, it means, I think, to make us like Christ. Well, there's a lot that still needs to be done in me and maybe in you. But the process that God uses is to mold us into the image of His Son. In fact, we know Romans 8.28 pretty well. We know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. But verse 29 goes on to say, Those that He knew and foreknew, He predestinated them, listen, to be conformed to the image of His Son. Did you hear that? The reason that all things work together for good is that God can mold us into the image of His Son. Paul says in Romans 12, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed, put into the mold of Jesus. He says to the church at Galatia, I struggle as a woman in pains of childbirth until Christ be fully formed in you. And folks, that's the process of sanctification. Jesus saves us, but oh my, He wants us to to grow in grace and to become more and more like Christ so that when He who lives within us lets us walk around in our world, other people would see Jesus in us. What a challenge. That's what He desires. That's what He wants. That's what He has sanctified us for. So what do we remember when we hold this unleavened bread and this cup? We remember what Jesus did for us. And hopefully what He has done in us but also what He wants to do through us. Well, Paul said it in that passage that I just read. We proclaim His death. What does that mean? It means that we share what Christ has done for us so that others who may not know Him is able to receive the gift of grace and be saved. We do Proclaim by our life what Jesus has done for us so that through us, other folks can come to know Christ as their Savior. And then he says, we proclaim or preach. That's what the word means. We preach that Jesus is coming again. I believe he is. Though I'm getting pretty old, I still think I'm going to be raptured and not ruptured. I think the Lord is coming. And the more I look at the world situation, and in America, I'm convinced that almost all of the prophecies have been fulfilled, and we're at the very brink of the Lord coming again. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? Paul says to the Thessalonian church, the heavens are going to break open, and the, the, 
the sound of the trumpet that's going to blow and the dead in Christ, is that Baptist? The dead in Christ are going to rise. And we're going to have a reunion with the Lord Jesus Christ and all of those who come with Him who are the saints that have already died and been buried. They're going to come with Him and we're going to, we're going to meet Him in the air. Therefore we shall forever be with the Lord. Paul says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What I'm saying is that when you hold in your hand that little cracker in a moment and you hold that cup that represents the blood of Christ, I hope you'll remember what Christ has done for you. And what has Christ done within you? And if He's not yet done that in you, if you've never trusted Him as your Savior, my goodness, I encourage you to do it. It's the best thing that could ever happen. It's life and love and grace and forgiveness in all those things that come simply because Jesus loves you. And what does He want to do through us? Let other people know the goodness and the grace of our God. So remember, we have a privilege of accepting Christ, but we have a responsibility. And the responsibility is not only to receive Him, but to share Him. I wonder, I wonder what God would do if all of us would really believe that we have the gospel message in us and we can share it and Jesus could be lifted up and glorified. Isn't God good? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that reminds us to remember that when we hold these elements in our hands and we reflect upon what Christ has done for us, in us, and desires to do through us, may we be good stewards of all of that. I pray in Jesus' name. Our deacons are going to come and meet me here. We're going to share the elements of the Lord's Supper. As I mentioned, the night that Jesus did this was a Passover celebration. It was an opportunity that they had to come together and to reflect on God's history of redemption that's symbolized in the elements of the, of the Passover Seder meal, the, the meal that we're going to celebrate next Wednesday night. And when He took that cup of redemption, He took that unleavened bread... And the scripture says he blessed it and he broke it and he gave to those disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat it, every time you hold it, do it in remembrance of me. Father, thank you for the bread 
that reminds us that you were willing to go to the cross, have your body literally ripped apart, nailed to a tree because you loved us. Thank you. We remember and we give you praise. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.